Hello, hello. Everything looks great. Sounds great. Check, check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chilling. Really? Okay. And we're Hell yeah. Recording? We're going. Okay. We're doing this. So normally I do like this intro that might be kind of awkward right now, but I I'm going to do it anyway because do the intro. awkward is cool. Yeah. Right? All right. Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we yes. get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode. If you're one of those people, I hope you enjoyed the conversation and thanks for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge, neither of which we have right now, but that's all right. I'm sitting here today. It's in a cooler, actually. There's a cooler somewhere. There's beer yeah. and soda in the cooler yeah. here at... I guess reporting live from Four Chord Music Festival. I'm yes. sitting here today with Dan of the band Real Friends. Say hello to the internet, my friend. Hello, internet. How's it going? How are you doing today? We were just chatting about curry and stuff like that. Yes. You made me fucking hungry. Yeah. I, I had a pretty good breakfast, but I have not had lunch yet today. What's your Pittsburgh food experience been like so far? Uh, quiche <laughs> and hash browns and uh, hotel yogurt. Hotel yogurt. That's and, a band uh, name waiting to happen. Oh, yeah. And a <laughs> banana. Um, and that's all the food I've had in me today. Yeah. So I've had, I've had my breakfast. I've had, uh, I guess, lunch. And um, we'll see. Yeah. You guys have played Pittsburgh a good bit. You have yeah. like a good relationship with the city here? I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have a shit ton of friends that like your band a lot. I can tell oh, you hell that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell them thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you're watching, motherfucker. Uh, whoa. <laughs> um, last time we were here, uh, we were with Grayscale, actually, who's also playing the fest. Cool. Um, cannot remember for the life of me where we played. I think it was Rex Theater and whatnot. And we were here on what uh chicago refers to as blackout wednesday which is the day before thanksgiving because oh, nobody's got to work yeah and whatnot and um you know i was chilling having a beer and whatnot with some of the people on the tour some of the grayscale dudes our drummer brian our sound guy and whatnot and uh we went to the smiling moose and uh upstairs uh, where they have all the gigs they were having uh you know they were having a, a ska night Okay. We'll call it, you know, like Tight. they have like they have the emo night now. Um and there was a ska night and it was a wonderful experience for people watching and I was having a great time. <laughs> and uh then I watched um our drummer Brian and then our sound guy Derek wait in line at uh the pizza spot around the corner from like Rex Rex Theater. I I, I want to say it was Rex Theater that we played. I I mean I could be wrong. That makes but, sense. Yeah, it's right there. But um yeah, like right there, yeah, by by Smiling Moose and where we were parked, and they waited for a pizza for like forty five minutes because they ordered a whole pie, and then, um, you know, I was just sitting out there watching them, just being like, "Wow, they're they're waiting a really long time." All right, and uh, and then everybody's coming in, grabbing a slice, and just leaving, just in front of them. They're sitting there on the counter, like. <sighs> Dude, when are we getting this pizza? And then as they're like boxing it up, I walk up and I'm like, hey, can I get two slices of cheese? And then they just box it, hand it up to me. I'm like, cool, you guys ready to go? And they're like, damn it. <laughs> so being a being a Chicago dude, how does the pizza hold up here for you? Everybody talks about Chicago pizza. Like I have like, you know, some death threats to make uh, yeah, concerning yeah, sure. pizza. Um, I personally don't care. I feel you. Um, I'm the same way, man. My favorite pizza is actually in Philly okay. at Lorenzo's on South Street. Yeah, uh, pizza that that pizza, from what I remember, was was good. Um, deep dish. I get it when I have friends from out of town that want to go grab some pizza. I got two spots for them, and I'm just like, 
I'll give you the two options. You pick your, one and we'll go there. Your deep dish is probably like our Pramani's. Like so many people oh, here. Pramani's like, is a whole just can of worms <laughs> and just a cardinal sin on so many levels. Oh, yeah? Oh, I mean, I'm talking just as far as like the, um, I guess the gluttony of it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for lack of a oh, better yeah. term. Uh-huh. Um, it's not the best on the road trying to stay stay alert and focused yeah. type of food. It'll I had it up. that day, though, when we were here uh, back like yeah. almost almost a year ago now. Damn. Yeah. So. So with everything that's been going on with you guys and, uh, you know, DIY in general, as we'll say, you know, from somebody that's, you know, on the other side of the fence in terms of like you're touring a lot more than a lot of bands that I typically talk to. What is DIY like for you now being somebody that's on the road pretty frequently getting to see different areas of the United States and the world? Um, I feel like I have kind of a complicated history with with uh diy not necessarily anything bad by any means it's just um because we we came up in the south suburbs of chicago and whatnot and i feel like a lot of the diy stuff um in chicago happened in like the north side of the city and in like the north suburbs for the most part at least when we were like growing up going to shows and whatnot um we had a venue called Mojo's um, around like the Orland Park area that uh, was getting like like they they progressed from like a coffee shop and then like then they moved into like what used to be either like a comedy club or a strip club or something and then they moved to like a third location sure. which was each one was bigger and getting like better shows better tours and whatnot and it was super awesome to you know have like a venue like that on the south side that was getting touring acts and was having local bands play. Yeah. Like all the time, regularly, like all of our bands, um, at least uh, me, our guitar player, Dave, and our bass player, Kyle, like all three of us being in separate bands when we were growing up, like, you know, we'd all, all of our bands would play at Mojo's and whatnot. And then, um, you know, it wasn't until I was in like community college around the time, like Real Friends started and whatnot. Um, and we'd play like some DIY spots and, um, like around Chicago, I'd go to shows up on the north side and whatnot. Uh, like there's this place, Arby's, um, where I saw Modern Baseball, Tiny Moving Parts, and Knuckle Puck play a show together and whatnot. Like maybe 2013. It sure. was a wild time to be alive. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and then like you know, and then I saw Defeater and Code Orange at another place called Treasure Town. Um, there's a spot called Spaceship that I saw Into It Over It at and whatnot. All of which I believe are defunct now, but which which really sucks. But um, a lot of cool stuff, and I feel like um, the DIY mindset is uh, kind of bleeding into a lot of other areas of media. Yeah. You know, especially with like live streaming and stuff like Twitch right now. You know, because there's a hundred percent like I would say like a DIY mentality with with like the live streaming stuff and whatnot because that's all you know, for the most part, one person taking care of all that. They, you know, buy all the gear they set up and make it look nice. Some nicer than others. No problem with that. And it's a, it's a community where, you know, I feel like a lot of people like feed off of each other and like learn things from each other and are able to study each other where I I feel like in the music world, some bands would go after other people's throats being like, you're ripping off our style, bro. But like, you know, and at least in that ecosystem, like everybody for the most part, like wants to see each other thrive because it's, it's one single person instead of like an entity consisting of like, you know, three, four, five, six, seven people, you know? Yeah. It feels like DIY in general has gotten a lot more social and business minded yeah. as a result of and social media and yeah. stuff. And I definitely think it's awesome because 
one thing that I noticed that seems to hold bands back the most is the DIY mentality from the aspect of like, oh, well, you know, we shouldn't charge this much for a t-shirt and we shouldn't charge this much for shows and things like that and finding that balance because that's how you make money. Yeah. I mean, there's an accessibility factor, like financially, I would say definitely like you want to, you know, make sure people can come to the shows, make sure they're not breaking the bank. Um, you know, uh, but the thing is that I don't think, well, I mean, and I would hope that they realize it, you know, with, with the business mentality that's coming into play with it. But, you know, like these people are giving like a ton of, or not a ton of money, but they're paying monthly for like streaming services where, you know, they pay like the 10, 12, 15 or so a month and yeah. you don't have to buy records and whatnot. So it's like, so I don't think it's a crime to be like, okay, well we have to charge like even $10 for a shirt or $15 for a shirt in that aspect. You know, it's, it's something where, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people have been shamed into thinking they're not allowed to make money off of art yeah. and whatnot. And then people like come down on bands and artists wanting to make a living. And there, and a lot of people will say like, I want you, I want the world for you. And like, and I want you to succeed and whatnot. But then you know, then they maybe get like a really good like tour offer or, you know, they have to start charging, you know, maybe an extra $5 for a shirt and whatnot. And then all of a sudden you got nails and a cross ready to go. They just like, is that, is that anything that shout outs to this train right now? Yeah. Keep rolling. Is that anything that you've had to deal with, with real friends as the band has like seen success in playing bigger venues and higher ticket costs? hundred percent. Um, not necessarily, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like both sides of it. Because I would you're getting say new fans too, that probably only know of you from being in this time frame. They don't. Yeah. They, I mean, it's, it's definitely tricky. I mean, there, there was a situation, um, where there was like a miscommunication with, um, with a younger gentleman that was, uh, trying to put together a charity fest. Mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, and this was like around the time we started working with our agent and whatnot. And there were a lot of things that I was told, like weren't communicated to our agent about like what's going on with the fest and that it was a charity just even in general. Okay. Um, so then our agent, you know, asked for a certain amount of money. And then, uh, this kid thought like, that's outlandish. That is outrageous. Like, like this is in your backyard. You're asking for this and whatnot. Like that, that is so like, just like unreasonable and like how could you and whatnot and then like we didn't know about any of this because he was talking to the agent then we see people online being like yo like f real friends like screw them like like they they're asking for all this money like like they like this is so stupid like a disgrace to our scene and whatnot we're just like what is going on okay yeah you know and and then like it's just like because then and i'm glad now that people understand like you know, ha- have more of a business mentality behind it and know, you know, this is how it is to talk to an agent. You're not actually talking to the band and whatnot. Like, like we don't, we don't necessarily like, like once we reach that level of that, we can't handle it ourselves and stay sane and stay in a healthy headspace that like, there are other channels that people have to go through yeah. and whatnot. And like, I, I don't know if it's like a jealousy thing. I don't know if it's just like, you know, they think we don't deserve it and whatnot. It, it, it is frustrating or it was frustrating then at that time. Um, but, you know, with how social media is, like you're saying, like with the, the transparency of it and everything, it definitely adds to like, yo, like you got a problem, like just ask, ask what's up. Like all you have to do is, is like 
politely and cordially like ask like why did why did something like this happen and then if you're nice about it and the person you're talking to is nice about it then it'll be a civil conversation where it's like well actually this is how these kinds of things go and whatnot you mm-hmm. know yeah that's the 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 you know, the double-edged sword of social media where you have that instant access where if somebody wanted to ask you something, they could very yeah. easily. But at the same time, if they if something goes wrong and they want to tell the entire world about it, the entire world can know yep. in two seconds. Yep. And then once it's out there, it's so hard to correct it. Yeah. Or like, you know, set the set the record straight. Yeah, well, because then they'll see the one thing and then if maybe if there is a clarification or an apology. They don't see that. Yeah, yeah, because they're not <laughs> looking for that. Then they're only looking for all of the hate comments or just to be like, oh, you know, I'm just not going to pay attention to them anymore when then they can get a hopeful, hopefully a logical explanation. Yeah, yeah you yeah. know, so. So I noticed the uh, Majora's Mask tattoo there. Yes. So you like video games or something? Massive gamer, yes. Okay, cool. So what is like the game that made you like video games? The one that like fucked you up the most? Whoa. um, (laughs) Well, when I was like N64, I want to say came out like 96. That sounds about right. Well, yeah, 95 or 96. Um, So I was like four or five years old. And um, my parents like didn't necessarily have the money to get me anything like right away or for me to have like access to that. But like they would, excuse me. Um, they would like blockbuster had something where you could like rent systems. Oh yeah. And whatnot. So then they like, you know, maybe for a weekend they'd rent me like an N64 and whatnot. I play super Mario 64. And that was kind of what set, all of that into motion. My mom rented me. me a virtual boy. For oh, damn. Video. <laughs> I remember, I remember demoing one of those at uh, KB toys. Oh yeah. Yeah. Fucking nightmare. Well, you're thing. talking about the little red guy. Yeah. You had to, like, oh yeah. Put it on your face. That tennis game was or sick, Or even that, though. they just had, like, the little tripod, and you just, or oh, at, yeah, least, yeah. at least at the, the, the demo stand, uh-huh, you know, and yeah. then I'd just go there and be like... Yep, that's how you did it. <laughs> like, like, let's say these are the goggles, and I'm just like... Yeah. But, yeah. So you rented that N64? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, honestly, and, like, like renting was huge for me, because that's how I'd find out about, like, a lot of games that, like, I really loved, or, like... You know, if a friend let me would let me borrow a game or something, um, or I'd play it at one of their houses, and they'd be like, "Yo, if you like it, you should get it," and whatnot. And then the, they'd be like, "Yeah, and if you have like any trouble, like I'll help you, like you know, I'll, I'll give you tips and whatnot, or I'll show you how to do something, and then you can kind of take it from there." Yeah. So just, just honestly, a super like just inviting and accommodating community. At least if you're if you are a gamer in and of yourself, like like. And whatnot. I mean, granted, I know that gamers don't necessarily have a stellar reputation right now. And I mean, <laughs> sure. I, I know that in the past, like I haven't had necessarily the most positive or correct language oh, with it, you know, sure. um, just as far as certain commonalities within like online gaming and thinking that certain things are okay to say, because, you know, who you're saying them to, it's not offensive. But then once you say them out in the open, people are kind of like, what? did you just say, dude? And I'm like, what? I just, this is how we talk when I play video games. They're like, that's not okay. And I'm just like, but I'm joking. And they're like, doesn't matter, dude. And I'm like, and then it took a little bit, but then I was like, okay, now I get it. Well, that's the funny thing you know? about growing up is that a lot of times, depending on how you're raised and the people that you're raised around, a lot of people don't want to like tell you certain words are bad or certain things. They don't even want to 
bring them up at all. Yeah, because so the only way yeah. you hear somebody say it, some sh- other shitty kids say it. So you start saying it, yep. and then now they tell you that it's wrong. So yeah. it's like the only way you can learn is by fucking up. Yep. Yep. Uh, to an extent. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, but the magnitude of said screw up, you know, is yeah, that, yeah. that varies. Yeah. Yeah. With uh, but gaming wise. Yeah. What was the game? Do you have like any particular game in your head? Because I could tell you for me, mine would have been Final Fantasy seven, which is okay. a very stereotypical answer, but it's a product of my generation. No, no, no. Just I mean, I same, with, same with Super Mario 64. Yeah. Like, uh, my, I mean, my own relationship with Final Fantasy seven was that uh, they need to fix. Uh, they need to go back if they're going to re-release it and fix some stuff. Oh, sure. Or well, not not even with the remaster. If they're going to, you know, put out higher fidelity versions of the original, then it's like, you know, the little area where you go meet uh, Red, the little lion guy. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Red thirteen. Yeah. Is that yeah? Yeah. I got stuck there. They wouldn't let me out. I was uh, <laughs> too low of a level. I uh, couldn't really kill anything without having to go like spend a bunch of money on potions. And then it got to the point where I'd run out of it. I couldn't kill anything to get more money and then level up. And then it was just like, well, I'm done with this game now. Yeah, that happened to me on Final Fantasy VIII. I got stuck in a safe space right before a boss and there was nowhere to grind. And it was just like, yeah. okay, I already... Well, I couldn't even grind. It's, yeah. I had places to grind. I literally could not grind because I couldn't get the money from <laughs> killing the monsters yeah. to go then buy more health potions and whatnot. And uh, realistically, you, I had that somebody... Game shark, boy. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, yes. Yeah. But then it's like, but then I don't know. I didn't... I wasn't dealing... I, I wasn't uh, too accustomed with Final Fantasy at that point to then, like, teach people to use, like, white magic and healing. Yeah. So... Totally. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. With now, you know, 2019, gaming is crazy. Yes. Console gaming and handheld gaming is all in the same in some aspects. PC gaming's the best, though. Okay, so you're a PC guy now. How well, I you, still play console. You, yeah. So, like, with uh, do you game on the road a lot, or do you, like, just focus on being on the road when you're out? Um, so, when we were out with uh, Newfound Glory um, in early November in Dalskin, like, like, June and July... Uh, I had my MacBook out with me, and I boot camped that with Windows. Okay. And it was one of the 2016 models to where when I got it, I could upgrade the uh, GPU in it. So it could run some stuff and stream. Uh, I'd aim for more, like, lower fidelity stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, it would get the job done, and I'd have, like, a, a second little, like, 15-inch monitor. And then, you know, I'd, I'd have my little duffel bag full of stuff where, like, we'd have good internet at some of the venues and whatnot and like you know depending on the schedule i'd be able to do like a stream or something and and just be like yo like you know have like a discord server where i tell people like oh yeah i'm gonna try to stream this day it's like, like and I'd, I'd uh screen cap like the upload and download speeds from the test and be like look we might be able to stream today <laughs> and whatnot and then like if the green room was accommodating and whatnot and there was space for me to take like a little corner for that and you know early november and dollskin were usually always cool with it cool so yeah, I was a, a buddy of mine. We were playing a show with this band called Of Virtue. They're from Michigan, okay. metalcore stuff. But I guess I think it's their their singer is really big into like streaming and playing. And he yeah. had like a TV with him and his Xbox, and he was just like set up in the corner yeah. the whole time. Didn't see him. Was like, okay, I mean, whatever. Well, have you, fun you the way stream, you need to have fun. Yeah, yeah. You you can stream directly from consoles too. That's so sick. I know because uh, I started doing it straight from PlayStation Four. Yeah, and whatnot. And it was it was so just it was so rough. And whatnot, because I didn't know the uh, extent of what you could do with it yeah. until I got a PC and then started messing around with that stuff. And, like, because I would never really watch streamers 
or anything, I'd just be like, oh, this is so cool to like be able to do that and whatnot. Um, but then I wouldn't pay attention to how other people were doing it to be able to like do it right, you know? Is anybody else in your band game? Uh, on and off, uh, our guitar player Dave does um, every once in a while. Um, Eric does every once in a while. Um, Brian will hop on a little bit here and there. Um, our old merch dude, Dan would play with me, uh, same with our, our, our old sound dude. Um, so like here and there and whatnot, and when we'd have like certain, you know, multiplayer yeah. games, we could break out and like, I remember warped 2014, we brought an N64 and, uh, we ended up like getting like three copies of golden eye and then like two of like Mario party three. And then we just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it was, uh, it was a whole mess, like just like yelling at each other over Mario Party and getting really frustrated and screaming and shit. So, well, that's the cool thing about, you know, being able to go out and be in a band with your friends, which ironically, yeah. that's a funny, I like to talk about that a lot, just about like the importance of friendship and bands. Yeah. Like, your band name, real friends. That's funny. Do you feel like you're real friends, you homies? Or fuck those guys. <laughs> um, you know, coming up on 10 years of hearing that pun. Yeah, I apologize. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's actually something that I, I talk about a lot with um, underground bands that are starting out in the terms of like how important friendship is in the band to the success of the band. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's something, too, where it's such a tricky thing to navigate and... I mean, then it goes into like well, how we were saying earlier, like the subjective nature of it, because like how people can come at you for certain, you know, business practices that they might not understand, um, you know, whether the intentions are good or bad, like regardless and whatnot. Um, you know, it's such a tricky thing, though, where, you know, it's like you start this like with your friends and whatnot, and then certain lines get blurred because then it's like, you know, it's just a, just a weird job to have. It's one of the whatnot. most complicated things when you're making that transition yeah. and being a band is dealing yeah. with that and learning how to navigate that shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's super tricky. With studio stuff in you, kind of let's gravitate towards just like recording and how making music is, making a record in yeah. 2019. Um, prior to Real Friends, did you have any studio experience with other bands? A little bit. Um, I had a band, uh, the band that I had in high school, or that I was in in high school, I should say, um, that I met our guitar player Dave through, um, and then in turn our bass player Kyle through. Um, like, our guitar player's ex-uncle like ran a studio in Phoenix and also recorded some DMX stuff and had some really wild like records on the walls there <laughs> nice. in the studio. Nice. Um, I got like, you know, like a week or so off of uh, school because this is my senior year of high school and whatnot and then flew out to Phoenix and whatnot and all my teachers were just like, yeah, go do it. Like if you can like, they're like, that's really cool. Like, uh, we'll give you all the work that you need to do and whatnot. And like, you're cool to take some time off and whatnot of like, and I was like, that's awesome. Really? Um, so, uh, yeah. So I had some studio experience, I guess it was more of, it was definitely a rushed thing. Cause, uh, cause his uncle was doing it like, uh, pro bono sure we'll that's, say. What, that's what i had in my mind yeah uh yeah so it was just like definitely he's just like 
I'm not going to sit here and you're going to mess up all the time. It's just like, you know, so some of the vocals got auto-tuned and whatnot yeah. um, to an extent. And I, I had played bass in the band and I just do like backup. So I didn't, okay. know, that was nothing where I'm just like, my voice sounds bad. Uh, Cause I wasn't, you know, really singing in the band. Um, but it was a cool experience and whatnot. And, um, you know, and then, but yeah, but that, that's the extent of it. Just, and then just like, you know, a random like basement demo that we did with, uh, with somebody that was like building a studio in their parents' basement. And I just remember watching 300, like 300 times. <laughs> I just had a fucking DVD yeah. of it looping, 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 looping. With a band that, you know, has a, a more extreme tour schedule in writing and recording, how has that writing process changed over the years for the band, if at all? Um, well, when we did our first record, you know, it was just all like we'd get it all done and same with same with like the EPs, we do it all ourselves, and then bring it to our buddy Seth that uh, runs uh, Always Be Genius out of Crown Point. Who he's done like almost everything for Knuckle Puck, um, and then like a bunch of other bands as well. Now and um, and then it just kind of be like, and then he'd give us some like little feedback here and there and whatnot, and like we'd change some minor things here and there. Um, and it was kind of the same way for the second record where we wrote it going in. We went in with Steve Evitz for that. And then that was the first time we did any sort of like pre-production and like Steve helped with like some rearranging and whatnot. I feel like vocals for the most part stayed the same, but then like just shifting certain things within like the music and, and whatnot. And then if anything changed with the vocals, it was more rhythm than melody to like line it up with like the drums. So then there would be certain impacts and like, certain velocity reached with the drums and the vocals that would hit at like the same time and make it a little bit more like, yeah. That oomph. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, with our last record composure, uh, we went in with Mike green and that was something where like first time we ever like went in the studio without the record done Okay, and yeah. whatnot. And that was just so freeing in a sense where like, um, and I'll, I'll paraphrase a Kurt Cobain quote okay. here. Um, because I can't remember the exact words, but essentially uh, the essence of it was that, you know, the the record, unfortunately, has to capture the feeling of the demo. And then that's why, you know, like a lot of times when bands release like the deluxe edition or the, the demos and whatnot, some people are like, I like this better. I like the demo better. Sure, it has more energy, more, there's yeah, more I human mean, element. To, Sometimes, not To all an the extent, time. Yeah. yeah. It depends. Um, so I feel like, I feel like, composure in a way was the the same thing um capturing the feel the immediacy and the urgency of like a demo and whatnot um and then you know we we had like a ton of instrumental stuff done i had a good amount of vocals for the record and whatnot and then then there was some stuff where i'm just like i don't know how to figure out like writing vocal melodies or lyrics to this and whatnot and then like um, Dave and Kyle and Eric would, uh, go in with, with Mike Green and then they would like, you know, cause Mike is a self-described meddler. Okay. Cause he's, he's like, he's like, <laughs> I got a medal. Um, so then they'd go in and like change some stuff and like record like the, 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 uh, base of the instrumentals and change some stuff around. And then like, and then I'd come in and, uh, I remember like our song from the outside was a thing where like I had like a good amount of stuff, uh, for the song. Um, and then there was just some stuff that just stumped me and I'm like, what the hell do I do here? And then like, then I heard like their rendition then of that instrumental. And I was like, and then it just like clicked, you know? And then with like, you know, Mike helping us and whatnot, it, it was the same method that we would all write 
anyways. Like, you know, just with an extra person in yeah. the room. Like, literally, like, no different, really, just in a studio instead of at somebody's apartment yeah, or my apartment. I feel uh, like you kind of have, like, an extra member in some way. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's so crucial. Yeah. And then, like, there would be stuff where I remember, like, I had um, a pre-chorus melody that ended up being the bridge melody for that song. Like, that got shifted over there. And then, like... Um, and then I had like, you know, the lyrics and like a rough melody for like the second half of the chorus that was, or that ended up being the second half of the chorus that was originally like the first part and whatnot. And then we like changed some of that around and then, you know, Mike might have like a vocal suggestion and then I'd be like, Oh, now I hear this to like finish that or vice versa where I come up with something. Then he caps it off with something really cool. And then just always this like back and forth. And then like, there was a lot more like hands-on stuff with like, lyrics, whether it was me coming up with the bass, uh, lyrics or our bass player, Kyle coming up with the main set of lyrics were like, um, where with, with the, that, it would be me, Kyle, Dave, and Mike in the room, like throwing around like vocal ideas, lyric renditions and whatnot. Yeah. And, um, and then like, like Dave had like some incredibly like cool stuff that he was just like throwing in the mix where like, I, or where I'd come in for instance, like with, with from the outside and I'd be like, well, I'm, you know, I have, I have like this, I want to say something like this. Um, I'm not sure how to go about it. And then like he threw out, like, like there was, um, <coughs> excuse me. There was uh, the line in the first verse about uh, swallowing a feeling, counting cracks across the ceiling. Like he uh, threw in like the rendition suggestion for like, like, never seen the depths of them before following that line and whatnot. Cause I was talking about like something about how I wanted to make like, like looking at the ceiling, looking like it would be like a map or something okay. and whatnot, like a, like a topographical map. And then he had then suggested that. And I was like, Oh damn, like that's super cool and whatnot. Um, and, um, so yeah, they were, there was just like a lot more like back and forth and like, you know, discussing like kind of certain stuff that we want to get across. Um, and then like, so then, you know, when Kyle would come in with like his set of lyrics for a song, then like, I'd be like, oh, like, what if we said this or like, like we, we would say like, like with um, Smiling on the Surface, for instance, on, on that record, um, we used uh, the pre-chorus melody for the bridge. Um, but then we wanted to change the lyrics around and Kyle didn't necessarily have anything written with... Uh, the cadence of like the syllables and like matching yeah. up with that. So then I like threw in like the line for that, you know, just like, like making my edits to it and like writing a line or two for it and throwing it in. And it ended up being like, where, you know, like I said, like it might be my set of lyrics or it might be Kyle's set of lyrics, but then like we all have like a heavy hand in like helping to edit them, helping to paraphrase them, throwing in like different like lines that we think would fit and whatnot, where it made it that much more of a collaborative effort with everybody in the band feeling more in the loop and tied into everything. Yeah, I love how much teamwork it seems like there was with oh, yeah. this. And I imagine if that's happening with the lyrics, it's probably happening with every aspect. Of oh, yeah. The album. I mean, well, with the music, I kind of like stepped back sure. and I'd be like, you know, I, I don't necessarily like I have another band with two of these fuckers that are standing okay. over here. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, you can't really do the pan right now, but yeah. Joe and Knuckle Puck, Joe and Ryan from Knuckle Puck chilling over there with a couple other people. And, um, you know, it's something where I'll write music for that band. But like, you know, I don't necessarily have a grasp of how to write for real friend style. So like so I'm just kind of like, you know 
train. Shout outs to the train. train. <laughs> choo choo. Um, oh, it's a short one, I think. But um, but yeah, but that's that's something where like you know I just I'll have like maybe my suggestions and whatnot since it's so much more it's so much easier in that setting for Mike to like cut something up and then be like oh well we can like like maybe omit this real quick and then like retrack it like tomorrow or something when we do some yeah. guitars to where like, it'll be like natural and organic. Yeah. To, like, you don't have that weird. Yeah. Cut. Have like yeah. this stop in there and whatnot. And like, you know, kind of like, and like that opened my eyes just to like how it like, cause I feel like in the past we've been hindered by like, Nope, this is the demo. This is how the song's going to be. Like nothing's going to change about it really. Um, except for like some, some of the pre-production stuff with Steve. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but then it just made it so much more like organic and natural, like, which in a way I think is ironic based on like my prior like misconceptions and just common misconceptions about going in and working with the producer and co-writing and whatnot, thinking that you're it, yeah. signing over ownership. Yeah, it of, sounds like, like some sellout shit, but it's not. Yeah, really. no, not. I mean, you can sometimes it can be sellout. Sure. Like, like it can be like a sellout situation. But like, I feel like in a lot of cases, at least like within our world, you find the right person. Like, like I will talk up Mike Green to whoever will listen to me. Like, I think that there are so many bands that could benefit yeah. from like from working with him and people like him and ways that he does where, you know, it's, and I just like try as hard as I can to like get across the point where it's like, you're not losing ownership of anything. You're not like, you're not giving anything up by working with somebody like him where, you know, he's just an extra person in the room throwing suggestions. I mean, Seaway, a bunch of these dudes chilling right over here off camera. They went in and did a bunch of cool stuff with Mike. They, they did their uh, record vacation. I think it's called um, with Mike with that has my favorite Seaway song on it. Carsey Magazine, baby. Great song. Um, and like, you know, and they had an incredible time, like at least that I know of working with Mike as well. So it's like, you know, I, I, I want that barrier to be broken where people think they're like selling out by yeah, like no. by not being like because, you know, I mean, and you think about it then, too, like you're not paying for if you're on a label, you're not paying for the recording. Like, you know, so then you're handing over ownership, like legally then to the label of the rights to the record. So it's, sure. you know, it's like, if you want to look at it in that perspective, then you're already going down this rabbit hole where you're selling out where you're like, yeah, you I, know, I've talked about this before, but I think a big part of the reason why you get a lot of like mediocre music in the world is because people are sometimes refusing or just don't have the access to work with a producer. I think working with a producer, if you find the right guy, I mean, granted there's bands that do DIY stuff 100% and they make fantastic records. Oh, and they, they kill records. it. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying that you need to have a producer. Yeah. Like it does blew it, grow up, dude. Hell yeah. yeah. Incredible like, record. It, it, Love it, that. It helps a lot of bands though. And I think that if you ever find yourself in that position to find somebody that is, understands what you're doing and is a good person to work with, it's definitely worth trying out. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's why like everything that we did at, um, always be genius with Seth and whatnot was great. Cause we got along with Seth. We, we were growing as a band as he was growing with the studio where it's like, you know, every time we'd come in for an EP or then for the first full length and whatnot, that it's just like, he always had like new little toys going on <laughs> and like, like new stuff to play with, whether it's a new plugin or yeah. like a new, like, you know, little analog piece of gear or the, like adding like a, a room for the board and everything and having a live room separate, like just all like cool things, like where it's like, where we're like, but like I said, like both growing together. And then like, then we, we're able to then experience like a more legitimate studio as it's coming up and whatnot. And like, kind of, 
you know, step by step, piece by piece, day by day, instead of like just coming into this really nice big studio being like, what do we do here? Totally. You know, and then like, and then he's able to then like, he was able then as we grew as a band, then start working with like fearless records and whatnot. And then like, and then with knuckle puck rise and then like get more accustomed then to having like a manager for his studio. And then like, you know, knowing how to navigate certain nuances with like record contracts and getting royalties and like, um, like getting his scheduling in order and whatnot. And like, and it's just like a, it, it was an ecosystem where for everybody it was like extremely mutually beneficial and not in a way where anybody's leeching off of each other. We're all just like, you know, we're all building a foundation for everybody to continue to grow. Sure. You know, now I think there's probably a big misconception with a lot of people that aren't behind the curtain on how long it actually takes to get an album out. <laughs> <laughs> so with this recent album, how long did it take you to record the album? And then how long did it take from it being done to actually get onto shelves? Well, we started working on the album, um, in 2017, like bits and pieces here and there. Um, but actually going into the studio, we went in August 2017 um, just to like, you know, get a head start. We went in for like a week and a like half or two weeks. Stuff? No, not even that. Just like just like co-writing. Oh, okay, we we cool. wrote like, you know, four or five songs um, gotcha. and whatnot. Some stuff we were just like, like, because uh, then we came back in uh, December or no, not December. We came back uh, New Year's Day, actually, 2018 um, to continue the record and like and then we had like you know five weeks so it was like seven weeks total like to you know write some of the record co-write in the studio bring in what we had done at home and like kind of like mess around with it change some stuff around um and like like make it better and improve on it um so total like recording time and like with the co-writing involved because the co-writing and the recording came hand in hand at the same time um about seven and a half weeks or so okay for for the yeah for the actual recording yeah over yeah over like august 2017 and then january 2018 into february yeah and then with getting it mixed mastered and released how long of a chunk was that um i mean that was a little bit of a different situation <laughs> just because I, I had certain um like mental health issues that needed to be addressed okay. but i mean the mixing of it i th- want to say we were done around like early March of 2018, maybe into April possibly of mixing. Cause then, cause then also, um, uh, I can't think of his name, Chris that mixed the record. Why can't, I can't think of his last name for some reason. Um, but he had a child like while, while like he was mixing our record. So then he's just like, yeah, like I'm going to need like a couple days. Cause I like my wife just had a kid yeah. and whatnot. And we're just like, Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're all good, dude. Yeah. Cool, yeah. No stress. Like, um, so, so yeah. So, I mean, like there, there were just different things that like kind of played into it having to get pushed back a little bit, but that I think like ended up helping it to let us have a little bit more time to make sure it was all good to go. Like when it went out in the world. So, cool. and then once, you know, the label has it and all that stuff from there, to actually getting it released. How did they sit on it for a while or was the release pretty quick? Um, I feel like the release was fairly quick. I mean, we had to schedule it like around warp tour yeah. and whatnot. Um, so we just, you know, chose like, you know, second week of July 
uh, just so, so we could have too bad then. Yeah, because then we can use Warp Tour at that point. Like it's just like a natural like promotion of the record. Yeah, and whatnot, and just like kind of get the word out there. You know. So yeah, that's not too bad. I know some bands that have had to like sit on albums for almost a year after it's done. It's oh, crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I spe- and then especially like I I'm I know a few people as well. And then because. There's so many things then that factor in like new signings. And then it's like, well, we need to get this bigger new signing. Then, you know, their release needs to come out here. So now your release is going to get pushed back, even though yours has been done and blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. Like I've, oh, I've, I've seen it. Yeah. Oh, uh, thankfully we haven't necessarily had to deal with that, but I've, I've, I've had friends that have expressed those things to me. Yeah. yeah. So what are you guys working on right now? I know this is a one-off for you guys. It's here, here today at just, Four Chord Music Festival. Well, yeah, uh, Four Chord <laughs> Music Festival. Yeah, no, we're just chilling and hanging. Uh, we've got this. Uh, we're playing at Self-Help uh, Data Remembers Festival in San Bernardino next week, then Europe, and then just kind of hanging out for a little bit, you know, uh, having some time to chill where uh, I don't go crazy and we don't have to cancel anything. Sure. So... I think that that's an interesting thing that happened with my band is that, you know, we're very much on the just getting our footing type of thing. We have to like pretty much grind nonstop. We don't even get the luxury of really taking a break because we have to always push that extra harder to like do it. And now we're like in the middle of a break and it feels so weird because it feels like we've been going for like two and a half years non-fucking-stop and us just taking two months off of shows seems like insane. Even if you're not playing shows, you can. it's not necessarily like a break, you know? It's like you can still be working on music. You can still be, you can still be working on things that would be productive to bring back to the band. Yeah. You know, and like that, that's what like I'm going to be doing. That's what we're going to be doing. Like it's not like, and it's not like, oh my God, they're going on a hiatus. Oh my God. Like it's just like, we're just going to chill like and we're going to like do like cool shit you know that 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 will hopefully then come back and be able to help the band with like a new like a renewed or reinforced like skill set yeah and whatnot to be able to like you know because it's like like i went to twitchcon this last weekend and i learned a ton of stuff that i think that if i can sit down and like look into it and like rewatch some videos of some panels that I went to or watch the videos that of the panels that I didn't get to go to. That's like, I think there's a lot of cool stuff that I could bring to the band that, you know, streamers use and whatnot. And, and cause the, cause the mentality in a lot of ways is like, like I was saying earlier, like DIY and streaming, like very, very similar mentalities, you know? Um, and it's like, it's, it's super cool. And I really want people to take like stuff like Twitch, like a lot more seriously because it will be something where, that is the direction that a lot of things are going. So, you know, so like my time with it, I'm just going to like try to understand that more. And I really enjoy streaming myself. And I think that everybody that comes in and watches the streams and participates in the chat, like they're all incredibly nice people. And like, they always like, if somebody comes in and they're like, you know, they're being a little asshole, you know, it's bound to happen. Like, they're, yeah. like, like the community's gonna step in, and they're just like, "Yo, like this isn't cool," you know, like, and they'll try to get my attention and be like, "Hey, like, you know, th- this is happening and whatnot." And then I'm like, "Oh, thanks for letting me know." And then like, you know, and then I'll try to take appropriate action, or maybe there's a moderator chilling there, being like, "Oh yeah, we took care of this while you were like slaying this random demon." And I'm like, <laughs> "Oh, thank you very much." Um, but I mean, you know, and it's it's something where. Uh, that's the direction that a lot of media is going to be shifting because, you know, movies and music are already on, on demand streaming, but then 
live streaming will be a whole nother content rabbit hole that people will be able to go down. Yeah. Very a lot, near. A lot of people keep nagging me to start doing the podcast on Twitch. So you should. Yeah. I'm starting to outfit the studio for live streaming. I just got to get a couple more things. Yeah. I mean, do you, yeah, just, I'd say right now, just get a, have a windows based computer. Okay. That's just the, my suggestion at Good least. So yeah, just cause streaming from a MacBook. Yeah. Kind of a pain in the ass right I have, now, I, have, I have a really good uh, Dell gaming laptop. Oh, then, then you're set already. Yeah, yeah. I have, a, I have a MacBook, too. I have everything. I like. I have it all. Yeah, well, you if know. you've got a laptop with a de- decent GPU like, and you, you're going to be doing more video-based content like this, yeah. uh, then you're set. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's just so easy. You just need a GoPro, essentially. And GoPros are cheap now. Yeah. Or a, or a nicer webcam. It's just like, yeah, it's just that's... You know, and that's, you know, at least, and granted, this is, and I love a tangent, um, <laughs> you know, uh, and this is a tangent, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, with having some time to chill, like, you know, I'm just going to be, you know, learning some stuff. Everybody's going to be learning some stuff then to take back to the band, uh, when we want to like, you know, really, really go at it and whatnot. And once we've had some time to chill and then be like, hell yeah, you know, so now, my last question for you before we wrap up. Okay. I don't know. Have you ever had any of your music projects? Have any of them ever had music featured in a game? No, unfortunately. Okay. Um, so, if you could have music featured in any game franchise, what would it be? Damn it. <laughs> now you got me on the spot. <laughs> Anything that I would want our music on would be just completely inappropriate and not the right game. You know, because I'd love for their, like, you know, if they were going to do, like, a Dark Souls 4, like, have real friends playing in the background or have some sort of, like, I don't know, like, orchestral twist on it. Sure. Or, like, you can even take my vocals out of it. I don't care. That's fine. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe some sort of From Software game would be incredible. Um, but that's that's even something where it's, like, just completely uncalled for, inappropriate, like, not, not the right vibe. Um, yeah. Damn! Now I'm just I'm gonna look through my Steam <laughs> my right. Steam library right now. You can you can uh, you can edit this in post, right? Yeah, I can. Uh, <laughs> I'll probably leave it, but we can leave it. <laughs> oh, leave it then. <laughs> leave it then. Here's my Steam library right here, baby. Yeah. Let's go. I can check it on my phone. Uh, library, library. Here we go. Um. This is something where, like, I can tweet them this interview and be like, hey, can you put our music in one of your video games? There you go. Oh, that would be so sick. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe like a bit, uh, a chiptune. Chip, is it chiptune or bittune? Yeah, chiptune. chiptune. Yeah. Maybe like a chiptune version, like Stardew Valley or something. Uh, maybe like, uh, I, just, I really like Stardew Valley. Maybe Animal Crossing. Okay. If, oh, but the thing with Animal Crossing, though, too, is you can change your town theme to like whatever like melody you want. So technically, I could put a real friend's melody in there. <laughs> but if like, but if it was in there and it was so cool and so chill, I'm just going to say Animal Crossing Nintendo. Okay. Please, I love you. I love you so much. <laughs> You're incredible. Please, please. I'll I'll give you whatever you want. I'll pay you. Yeah. You don't have to pay us. I'll give you yeah. the rights. Pay to play, baby. I will buy the rights from <laughs> from Fearless Records to to just give them to you. I'll sign the rights over to you. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. So yeah, with that being said, I want to thank you for taking some time to chat with me today here at Four Chord Music Festival. Four Chord Music Festival. He's been Dan. His band is Real Friends. If you're still watching this because you're a fan of the show and you're not familiar with the band go check them out they're available on the internet they're pretty easy to find yeah spotify 
Apple Music, Google, whatever you prefer. They probably have some physical media that they would prefer you buy online as well. Yeah, uh, we're <laughs> we're uh, we're working with a startup right now to where um, through Twitter you could smell our socks after we play a show. <laughs> so that'll be a new immersive experience, kind of like uh, augmented reality. But um, you know, I can't think of anything clever or snappy to say right now. So we'll just leave it at that. Sounds good, man. Thank you so much, and uh, we're done. Hell yeah! That's it. Hell yeah, dude. Thank you.